everyone. Welcome to Figment of My Reality, where we talk about the true stuff that makes this big old world seem made up. I am your first podcast host, Jeremy Bales. And I'm your other co-host, Jason Wright. So, not to be a downer, Jeremy, but something that I am excited about is getting trounced by the quarantine still, and that is board games. Yeah, I love these board Uh, games. I do love board games, but... I can't play them. It's not stopping me from buying them. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we tried a, a tabletop simulator not too long ago. That wasn't too bad. If we played, yeah. uh, what did we play? We played uh, the Hound on the House in the Mansion or something like that, right? <laughs> the Trail of the House on the Hill. Something like that. Uh, but Jason, you just bought something recently, didn't you? Yeah, new Villainous expansion. For anybody that doesn't know, Villainous is kind of a, a Disney-based villain game where you're playing a villain trying to defeat the good people in your little disney world um but bought the new expansion for that not with any intentions of playing it soon but (laughs) i have it it's collecting dust yeah so kind of going along with that me and my now wife just watched peter pan a couple days ago the the animated one and i gotta tell you i'm i'm coming around to Captain Hook's perspective, man. I think he yeah. he was abused. He was belittled. He was bullied. He was, he was one of the only adults in a world of children. Yeah, and he got bullied by those children. <laughs> Which kind of brought me to a question, Jason, of if you had to support any of these Disney villains, you know, who's your gut instinct to follow and why? Because, you know, Hook bullied, you know, Scar just wanted to provide food rather than just, you know... Scar a was a bad guy. <laughs> we don't know that. You know, who, who are we to say who's bad and who's good? <laughs> I would have to say Sid from Toy Story just because he's just a kid. He's a very aggressive granted, kid. Granted, he does some bad things, but he's a child a very who starts getting child. attacked by toys. See, I would never... I don't even know that I would paint Sid as sort of the bad guy i think oh he's totally the bad guy in the first is or in the first toy story movie but see for even, sure he even gets a so i'm talking about bad guys who don't have resolution that's far because in in toy story what three isn't he like a garbage man who loves toys or something nonsense like that <laughs> uh could you imagine being attacked by toys as a kid maybe he maybe he actually didn't like the toys he just pretended to because he didn't want them to attack him again could be it. Also, he could have just been hallucinating. And the whole Toy Story thing is a bit of a joke. What about Thanos? You know, I see that perspective as well. <laughs> Especially right now. I guess he is technically Disney at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's either him or Hades, you know. They both had good points. Vader. Sure, Jason. Now you're, now you're just going against the question. All right. Let's get started. Yeah, I'll take point. So Jason, I want to talk to you about a, a, you know, a place that could have been, you know, in this this time period where we're all kind of just huddled in our hovels of, you know, safety, the social distancing. I want to talk about a place that I would have loved to have visited, should the cruises or you know airports be opened up again, and that's New Atlantis. So you hear a lot of you know a lot about you know. New York, New Hampshire, New Jersey. You probably don't know a whole lot about New Atlantis. I don't. 
New Atlantis was uh, started. It was uh, its own unique 8 by 30 foot country founded by the brother of Ernest Hemingway named Lester. And he, Did you say 8 by 30 foot? What's that? Did you say 8 by 30 foot? The dimensions don't matter, but <laughs> yes, that is what the country is. That is the country's dimensions, yes. Sounds like a spacious garage. <laughs> Should you be so lucky? <laughs> so what Lester did is he took a bamboo raft of, yes, 8 by 30 foot, and he sailed it 8 miles southwest of Jamaica. Now, at this time, it was 1964, there were sort of customary or accepted rules that the sort of space beyond an island about three miles distance was still property or, you know, sanctioned under that same, you know, island nation. So being the courteous man that he was, he went five miles further and said, this is my land now. And he took three miles outside of that. I thought you were going to say he went 3.1 miles. <laughs> no, because he also wants three miles of water outside of his little mm. bamboo raft. So the reason why he was able to do this is because at that time there was kind of an obscure um, law or act going on in the U.S., which was called the U.S. Guano Act. So basically what this U.S. Guano Island Act of 1856 was it allowed any U.S. citizen to take unoccupied locations for the U.S.A., because this guano was a desirable bird feces to be used as fertilizer. Which in and of <laughs> itself is a buck wild story. <laughs> so under so, this... Go ahead. So the U.S. is sanctioning this raft to be an island in hopes that birds will shit on it. And this man will scrape it up for fertilizer. Well, I guess I should, should have explained. He's giving him half the island. <laughs> Because half the island is going to be part of the U.S. under this Guano Islands Act of 1856. And then half of that island is going to be New Atlantis. So, it's, it's semantics. It doesn't matter. So, uh, like I said, this was 1964, on July 4th, how appropriate, that Lester Hemingway founded this. In February of 1965, there were seven voters... Uh, appropriately chosen by the island's founder, uh, who will remain unnamed, <laughs> and voted, uh, let me see here, yep, Lester Hemingway as president. Congratulations, <laughs> Lester. <laughs> I can imagine him picking the people, yes, I'll take my wife, my child, my best friend. <laughs> I feel like he probably had eight people there, and it was a split vote. <laughs> he casted one of them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll vote for Ernest Hemingway. Who said that? <laughs> said that? Get off my raft island. <laughs> but this, I'm on the U.S. side. No, you're not. <laughs> a really great quote by Lester uh, when he asked what his point was for doing the New Atlantis endeavor. He told the Washington Post, quote, There's no law that says you can't start your own country. End quote. <laughs> He's from Texas. Obviously, right? He's <laughs> basically Tiger King reincarnate. <laughs> Well, there's no law that says you can't, so I'm miles away. <laughs> so why would you do this, though? Like, what's the point of living on an island raft? I'm glad you mentioned that. So in another quote, he was stated in saying that he did this little stunt to basically just have some fun and to make some dough. And his dough uh, scheme was that he wanted to print stamps 
So he basically printed stamps in these five denominations, right, in the hope that people would buy them up and they would be used and he would make profit off of that. But unfortunately enough for New Atlantis and for Lester Hemingway, the Swiss-based Universal Postal Union refused to recognize the legitimacy of uh, the stamps or their issuer. So the, the Swiss-based company were like, New Atlantis is not authorized to do this. <laughs> Somebody had to put, put their foot down. Lester was not, you know, from one president to another, he tried to get a little funding. Uh, he wrote to um, Lyndon Johnson, who was the president at the time, and he actually printed a stamp with Lyndon Johnson on it, and it said, protector of the entire free world. Uh, unfortunately enough, Lyndon Johnson just responded himself in turn with a thank you note, but no funding. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume he decided to do this stamp endeavor on this raft for some legal reasons it would allow him to do the printy stamps or whatever i guess so go ahead but could you imagine being on the water (laughs) on a bamboo raft with a bunch of stamp printing supplies trying to print off different stamps you get hit by a big wave and your whole session is done those stamps should have been recognized. They should have been worth more than a normal stamp. What it went through to make those stamps should have been taken into account. I, I completely agree. There was a lot of effort. Um, a couple of highlights of New Atlantis. Um, they had Covered a... in bird shit. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, birds just... The guano flowed like, <laughs> like uh, honey there. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a picture. I didn't. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> didn't mean for that to happen. <laughs> Their national currency was called a scruple. It is described as looking like stones or something that could wash ashore on a beach. So my guess is that it was. It was exactly that. His wife, Lester Hemingway's wife, made the national flag. Their constitution was almost a carbon copy of the United States Constitution. Except it was on a typewriter. It was it was put out on a typewriter. Unfortunately enough, <sighs> breaks my heart to say it, Jason, but New Atlantis did not last long. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> After its start in 1964, they actually wrote a lovely letter to Jamaica. It said, New Atlantis will be peaceful and not threaten its Caribbean neighbors. <laughs> so I don't know if there was any foul play afoot, but... There was a storm that happened that washed New Atlantis away, much like how I imagine the real Atlantis was washed away. <laughs> this, Go ahead. I see many, many holes in this scheme. Oh, I think a better really? scheme would have been to build several of these rafts. Time all together. F- float them out. Get them all different names. New Atlantis, Newer Atlantis. Newest Atlantis. Newest Atlantis. The most new Atlantis. And get, and get all the paperwork drawn up yeah and go around and start selling these things to people to own their own private island now that's a scheme what we have to do now jason is we have to investigate and see if this guano islands act is still active (laughs) because you know it just sounds it just sounds insane that your big scheme idea yes is i'm gonna take a shitty boat out yes say it's an island yep and start printing stamps on it. I think it was brave. <laughs> I think it was pretty brave. That's one word for it. Idiotic. Taking um, an 8x30 bamboo raft 8 miles out to sea. I don't know how far, you know, in, in context of 
the sort of Jamaican island area, how far eight miles is or what could be down that big deep blue sea or ocean. I imagine it could be scary, but taking a small raft and, you know, only taking half the raft is kind of selfless, I would say. So maybe just don't <laughs> dunk on Hemingway that much. <laughs> oh, but it's so easy to dunk on. <laughs> He's going to get his brother Ernie on you. Are you going to regret that? <laughs> Ernie was his street name. Ernest was the poet's name. <laughs> you know, we do have relics from New Atlantis, thankfully. So the University of Texas Humanities Research Center uh, in October of 1965 actually hosted a small little exhibition of New Atlantis artifacts. Uh, if you can imagine, they were in fact provided by Lester Hemingway, who I think was just trying to do everything in his power to make sure that this legend was not forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> his legacy, his three rocks of money. They're called scruples, and, Jason. Don't be disrespectful. <laughs> in, a, in the two or three stamps that made the drift back to shore. Well, there were several of them. Some of them had Lyndon Johnson, the protector of the entire free world. Some of them did have, you know, Winston Churchill on them. There was just a picture of... Uh, New Atlantis, I imagine. <laughs> Just a picture of a raft that I would put on a stamp. <laughs> so this is actually, if anyone wants to lives in Texas who listens, allegedly there's still a New Atlantis section in this research center in Texas, at the University of Texas. It still has all of these artifacts. So if that's the case, uh, and you might live in Texas, please let us know. Because that would be buck wild. Send us a picture. That would be great. Um, and yeah, and maybe one day we can all return to our to our home in New Atlantis. <laughs> I'd really appreciate it if they could send us a letter with one of the stamps. That Sneak would be, in there. That take steal the it. stamps. Use them and send <laughs> us a letter. <laughs> there would be no better. I don't think it, would, it wouldn't get recognized. <laughs> the current U.S. Postal Service would be like, no, we got to shut this down. <laughs> New Atlantis is trying to make a comeback. We gotta cut this off. With with how much that stamp should be worth, since it was made su such a long time ago, mm -hmm. you should be able to ship whatever size package wherever you want in the world with just that one stamp. That would be amazing. You know what I think is probably the truth <laughs> is as every U.S. postman is getting trained, postman or postwoman, they have like this throwaway clause in their training that they always always say. You know, you know, you don't uh, transport this. You know, if this has happened, you got to get a signature for that. Oh, and <laughs> you'll probably never see it. But if you ever see a New Atlantis stamp, tell somebody. <laughs> <laughs> like a what? Don't worry about it. Just, you know, if you ever see a New Atlantis stamp, you tell someone. <laughs> like <laughs> day one training, they just start drilling it in their head right away. Yeah, and now they're all we sleeper agents. We don't whatever. recognize these. Anytime that anyone would ever see a New Atlantis stamp, the sleeper agent wakes up <laughs> <laughs> yeah man new atlantis so my story is going to take us to medieval times in the 1400s i love that place you know you get a nice old ham leg you get a brew you watch some people on horses. It's one of my favorite events before the quarantine closed everything down. <laughs> Love medieval times. <laughs> uh, but one crazy thing that happened in medieval times, along with, I guess, eating giant pig legs, or whatever you said. Um, mutton legs. <laughs> mutton legs. Was uh, 
It's actually animals going and being summoned to court for crimes. <laughs> so this was more prevalent in Europe, but animals would actually have cases taken to court and have actual judges, juries, and prosecutioners at the courthouse. What about a defense attorney? Because I don't think an animal can defend it. They did. They had a defense oh. attorney. They had a prosecutor. <laughs> they had eyewitnesses for these crimes. <laughs> Do they have somebody on a typewriter typing shorthand to make sure they have track of everything? <laughs> I mean, if they did this whole production, I'm sure they had somebody scribbling on a piece of paper what was going on. Tell me everything. <laughs> there is a lot of speculation around this. A lot of these animal court cases are actually thought to be made up uh, one case is a pack of rats were taken to court for uh <laughs> gnawing on a on a person until they died and this was actually found to be made up this court case was made up to sling mud at the quote-unquote defending attorney that defended these rats for him losing the case so <laughs> i just have a just a couple of them questions <laughs> Even in a fake way, it, it's obnoxiously dumb to say, yeah, they charged this particular pack of rats. <laughs> yeah, I know these six were part of it. Not these two specifically. We got to get the other two that was in this pack of rats. <laughs> I also think it is hysterical that somebody's name as an attorney can be dismirched by... By their inability to defend yeah, pack of rats. That killed a man. <laughs> God forbid these rats act upon natural instinct, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen of the jury. How dare you? But even though this one case was made up, there are several true cases. There's two different types of these cases. One, the one that we've been talking about where some major bad thing happened. Where either some a person was attacked by an animal or killed by an animal. Or, 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 a, or a pack of animals. Or a pack of animals. And in most of those cases, it was larger animals like pigs or horses or cows. And in those cases, the animals would actually be brought to the court in, to stand trial. <sighs> okay, Jason, I want, I want examples. We'll get there. The other type of case was against small vermin like rats and weevils and even slugs where they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't be forced to come stand a trial, but the case would be brought to the court, and the slugs and mice or weevils would be given a sentence or some type of judgment to be carried out. So I want to know, and again, I'm hoping we get there in due time, if you don't sentence the critter to death, what, what are you going to exile a cow? Like, I think that would be the happiest cow ever. It's just free roam. So the exile was actually saved more for the vermin. I hate you. So, I hate that that was the thing. So what would happen in these, I'm going to call, small claim cases are... Okay, very professional. Somebody would come in, they complain about these vermin, like, destroying their crops or their house or something... And the judge would exile them, particularly exile them from the church. <laughs> and that okay, good, thank you. And that would like quote unquote give them permission, I guess, since they were exiled from the church and no longer seen as 
part of God's work or something, I guess. Upstanding members and citizens (laughs) of the community. That would allow the person to then exterminate that vermin without any repercussions or anything. So it was essentially a death sentence, but it basically vindicated the person so that they didn't catch any flag for it. Basically, yeah. (laughs) I sentence you not to death, but you're allowed to be killed. (laughs) Exactly. Um, One... One case of these vermin small claims cases is in France. There is these slugs all over somebody's house, and they want to go. Poor, poor they want to go away. <laughs> Do you think slugs want to be there? <laughs> so, so the the case was brought up, and what ended up happening was the slugs were were exiled, and there was a procession over the slugs for three days, cursing them, telling them to leave, or else they would be exterminated. <laughs> so, I got a couple issues. The first one is, what idiot thinks yelling at a slug is going to get to leave? <laughs> well, they're not just yelling at him, they're cursing him also. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? Sorry. My second issue is... Do you th- why do you think slugs want to be there? Do you think they they're malicious intent? And also, my third issue is past judges, past lawyers were dumb. <laughs> so bringing in intent in that kind of thought is a big question around this. Like, why are these animals? Why were they brought to court? Why were they sentenced this way? And People were bored. That's why. I started reading this article, and it gives some examples of different court cases that were carried out. But it started spinning it into animals having kind of these character, human-like characteristics, and that's why they were put on trial. That they were aware of what they're doing, and that they do have that sentient. they're actually sentient. Yeah, and then it's yeah. fun. That's, and I, I so I skipped to the end, and then it was basically like, so was it really that crazy what they were doing? <laughs> Maybe we should start doing this again. <laughs> so I did not go bring it back. <laughs> so I did not go back and finish the first article, and I decided to find another, a better one. <laughs> <laughs> you found an article about a crazy person, Jason. <laughs> yeah, it had. Had some examples which we're, we'll get into now, but like, they're spinning it into like these people were right. The animals did have sentience. They knew what they were doing. Ain't that a shame? Ain't that a shame? <laughs> <laughs> so some more serious crimes that animals were prosecuted for. Um, one example: manslaughter. Yeah, one example is a murder. Um, a a young younger five year old boy was murdered by some pigs and at first what who was taken to court were six piglets the why the piglets why the little ones and this this case had eight witnesses and after going through the trial how many of them were pigs they the biased (laughs) yeah that's true they need some pigs on this jury but through the witnesses they were able to figure out that the piglets did not, although covered in blood, did not have anything to do with the murder. That it was amen. That it was solely the mama pig, and the mama pig oh, was on. executed, and the six piglets God, were left it. to live. Uh, fine. Another case, uh, and 
a big theme around this is pigs. Apparently, pigs were real nasty back in the day. I hear they're nasty now, but back in medieval times, they were more roaming the streets and free going. So cases mm-hmm. like like younger people being killed by pigs was more common. One case was a group of pigs came in and started running over somebody and a second group of pigs came in too and started to join them and run over them. Very, very malicious. Yeah. They're like, hey, let's get them. So two groups of pigs <laughs> and they these two groups of pigs were tr- both trialed separately but both found guilty because the judge said by witness accounts that the squealing and noises that the pigs were making showed how joyous they were to be trampling this person. Oh my land, dude. What a... Who in their right mind, for real though? Like, <laughs> hey Jason, hey Jason, for real though? <laughs> this is dumb. That's where the <laughs> this is very... that's where the first article started making a turn. Was this was that that story? Yeah, it took a heel turn and sprinted the other <laughs> yeah. way. So it's like, oh the like, can you believe how silly this was? Now, here, hold on, here we go. <laughs> But for real, these pigs actually wanted to kill that person. But the malicious intent behind these pigs was unbelievable. <laughs> See, they're like the opposite of PETA. They don't think the animals are good. They think they, <laughs> they all have sentience and they're all murderers. It's APIDA. It's anti-PETA. <laughs> wow, that's stupid. But there's there are some other cases um, where these larger animals are exiled also. And if I was a pig or a cow, I'd be totally game for that rather than being killed, hung. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I think for sure. But there's also other cases where they were sentenced to jail time. And while in jail, their owners... See, would that have... one doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> to me. But while in jail, their owners would have to pay for their board. So a lot of these smaller cases... The small timers, yeah. the rookies. <laughs> the, the, small, the small time cases for like destruction of property and stuff. Sometimes they would kill the pigs. Um, most times it would be some type of fine that the quote on pigs would have to pay, but really their owners. And it was a way of trying to scare straight the farmers to have more control over their animals. That's more of a theory of why they would do some of these other things. But you would think, man, at least we figured it out. At least we stopped putting animals on trial. We didn't, did we? (laughs) Not until more recent years. In 1916, Oh, no. There was an elephant that murdered its trainer. Guys, guys. And they hung the elephant with a crane in Tennessee. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's That sucks, Yeah, dude. It gets... Do you, like, I get that there's, like, intelli- there, are, there are critters that are smart, right? Like, dolphins are smart. Monkeys are smart. I understand that, you know, elephants can be trained and have a level of intelligence. Never in my days would I be like, this is a malicious intent from an elephant. Elephants are, like, the most gentle giants that this world has produced. That is... Mm, getting angry again jason getting yeah. angry again. so and that, that's silly so more modern stuff is like stuff you'll hear about where it's between people when an animal does something whoever is the owner of that animal i feel like right. that is the right that has the little... right way to go and the person who wrote this 
first article I read, which will be posted uh, with along with this podcast, is uh, kind of off the rocker. Good. <laughs> it's our kind of people. <laughs> but yeah, animals used to be put on trial and legitimately tried at court. Really interesting story, Jason. Good find. People who think animals are sentient. Um, I disagree for the vast majority of them. I think I think apes maybe maybe they have an idea of what's going on of who's Jim and who's Joe. But uh, yeah, don't don't do this. Don't don't be a bad person. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review as it helps us out a lot. Uh, if you're interested in contacting us with a story you guys know and want to hear us talk about, or um, you know, your own personal story. Let us know. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Fig of My Reality. And our email, if you want to reach out to us through that method, is figmentofmyreality at gmail.com. Here's with that fact. This week's piece of reality. So, Jason, you know that tall white chef's hat? Mm-hmm. So, it has a hundred folds in it, and it's to represent a hundred ways that chefs know how to cook eggs. I'm Jeremy Bales. I'm Jason Wright. Talk to you next week.